0: Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I chat with a member of the Magic the Gathering community every single week. And we share our tips, tricks, tragedies, and triumphs as we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, I've got a return guest to the podcast to catch up on some magic, to talk about the new cards that are coming soon, and to also talk about a stream he and tips and advice and such. Please welcome back Keeb.
1: Why, hello there, everybody.
0: Thanks for being on the show. Uh, let's let people know a little bit uh, about where they can find you online.
1: I've been working on my YouTube. It's youtube.com slash keyplays. I'm also twitch.tv slash plays if you want to catch me live. And basically any other social media of relevance is Key Plays as well. I don't post much on Snapchat, but Instagram is definitely cool. active.
0: Excellent. Hopefully we get you some more traffic. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, you just came uh, from work earlier. Did that go all right?
1: Oh yeah, I let people go and then we got busy at the end of it, Murphy's (laughs) Law, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's so funny. So um, hopefully everyone got their their meals and stuff and then you're home here and now we're ready to talk magic.
1: Oh yeah, I'm super excited. Let's do it.
0: So let's catch up a little bit in terms of how has your magic life been so far in terms of what are you playing? Are you managing to catch anything in person or is it all just digital arena and such?
1: I'm actually really excited to be able to share that. Um, I have begun to get my significant other into Magic, and we've actually mm-hmm. played some Paper Magic recently. So that Uh-oh. has been super exciting.
0: That is really cool. Yeah, especially when you can teach someone brand new, and then uh, have they decided on like what colors they're like, or what strategies or anything?
1: Well, what I did was buy a dual deck, and, uh, or one of the starter you know dual decks that are kind of built to fight each other. Yeah. So they're just black and green uh, mono colors um so she's been playing the green i figured it would be a little easier to grasp rather than like pulling stuff back out of your graveyard (laughs) because like the main you know the main card there is uh, i think it was anytime the creature attacks you exile a card and then you can play those exiles cards eventually and i thought that'd be a little a little extra for her to figure out at first so i thought Mm. make things big make you know trample like i figured those were easier um things to grasp uh, not that she couldn't understand the other things. I just felt mm-hmm. like if somebody was teaching me, I wouldn't want to be thrown, like, you know, a full blue deck with counters and stuff. And then you got to know when to do it, etc., cetera, et cetera. The difference is yeah. instant and sorcery counters, all that kind of stuff. So, like, I'm just trying to trying to teach her the game. And uh, she's actually really loving it. And uh, she wins most of the time. But I have... yeah, We've been playing with open hands at first. So mm-hmm. we'll draw our cards and we'll just put them face up. And I'll kind of, like just show her strategy and like you know try to tell her that she won't know what i'm ha- what i'm carrying but if she kind of knows what deck i have she'll have a good understanding of what to play and when to save it so i'm kind of teaching her the meta game from the beginning which is pretty cool too
0: that is cool because when uh when we had the ability to do a lot of stuff in person so i was a i was a um an advisor to a card club at the local college, and we'd get new people coming in all the time, wanting to play the various games. It wasn't just magic; it was if people wanted to play Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or Vanguard or whatever, we we had something for everyone. But when people were coming in and they wanted to learn magic, I was usually the one talking them through playing magic, and we had some of those free welcome decks. Have you ever seen those? It's like those forty-card uh, free decks that they give sometimes at local card shops.
1: Uh, yes, I have. I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: So we would use those to teach the new players, and those are pretty cool because they have some amount of flying creatures. Um, sometimes, like, something splashy with a Maybe it had trample or whatever, but it was pretty basic stuff, and it was a good way to teach people. So I'm glad uh, Wizards is still continuing to do sort of, like, intro products. And so this um, these mono color decks, it sounds like... Uh, the who were the main cards on those? because I know I got one of those to do some YouTube upgrades, but mine came with Vito, that one mono black vampire that drains when stuff happens, and then the green one was that big old ape Kolga. So I think there's like two versions of those of those products actually.
1: Yeah, I think it was I think it is the ape as okay. well, but mm-hmm. I think it's the black guy when you attack with them, uh, you exile like a card from your graveyard and then you may play those cards that are exiled
0: was that a skeleton
1: i think it's a skeleton I oh, think it's okay a
0: skeleton.
1: i could go get the actual deck <laughs> i'm terrible with names but um <laughs> anyways that yeah
0: that, that's okay but i think i know which one it is but that's that's the product yeah that wizards is putting out and didn't that also come with like some arena codes to play the decks digitally
1: it did. So we got the digital decks, and I got her uh, into playing that as well. So she also plays online a little bit, which is pretty cool. And um, the real cool thing was, like, I didn't know how much they were going to be. It wasn't, like, labeled at Target for whatever reason. And then when yeah. we went to check out, it was only, like, six bucks for whatever reason. So, like, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: it was definitely, definitely worth
0: it. It's got two decks. They're foil. They're they're. They have a cool face card. They have a digital code. It's like, yeah, it is a really good way to get started playing with Magic. I wish that they would put more of those digital codes in more of the real-life Magic products, but uh, what are you going to do?
1: Yep, you know what happens.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Well, um, what about yourself also in terms of uh, what are you playing? Any standard or historic or drafting or anything like that?
1: Um, I like to do the drafts on Arena because I feel like there's a lot less risk involved in like... Not risk, but you know, like I, I just I feel like since it's digital, like I, when I draft in real life, like I'm picky about doing it, you know, and I'm like yeah. looking for the money as well as trying <laughs> to make a nice deck and all that kind of stuff. Whereas <laughs> I feel like in the drafts on Arena, like I can really just make a deck. Like if I'm like, ooh, that card's fun, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just kind of. And and sometimes the oddball decks win you, win for you because a lot of people like understand what what you really want to draft to make a good deck. Whereas, like, sometimes you can just kind of hit them with a curveball and it works in your favor.
0: Yeah, exactly. If everyone is reading the articles or watching the videos about what's the meta, what's the current set, and what you need to look out for, well, then everyone's going to look out for it. And then everyone's going to snap it up and everyone's going to get pieces of the the good deck. So that's the great thing about... Um, draft, that it sort of self-corrects. Now that we have real person drafts, you have that synergy happening when someone picks up a couple of the great red cards and then someone else says, well, I want red cards. They're they're getting the red cards, so okay, I'll go to the green cards. and It's a really cool way to play. Uh, It self-corrects. There's people, real people that you're battling against.
1: Yeah, I have yet to do, though I have a free token, um, one of the premiere drafts i guess is what they're called okay. or whatever on arena it's the one we are actually doing with players um oh, yeah. so so i want to do that for sure because i have a free one that i got from one of my seasonal rewards or i forget how i got it yeah but um so i'm excited to try that out but yeah i've just been doing like i said doing the drafts um and then i just do the dailies to get the coins and that kind of stuff which i've always said on this podcast and then uh recently i've been playing around with a mill deck that i made that's actually pretty strong it's a it's a mono i love mill i always talk about it i know it's not like something that's going to actually win you tournaments and stuff but i just love playing it because people hate it maybe i'm a little bit of a Little bit of a sociopath in
0: that regard, but Well, you're you're in good company because I believe I remember hearing a few times that Mark Rosewater, you know, one of the big names in in Wizards of the Coast, I believe he likes Mill as well. Uh, he's been responsible for some of the best Mill cards throughout Magic's history. So you're you're in good you're in good company if you've got a big name in magic also into Mill.
1: I still I think I've said it once before on this podcast, but Dusk Mantle Guildmage was the most sleeper (laughs) card in this game because you can mill for damage, which is insane. But um, anyways, yeah, so I like it. And I made like a mono blue mill deck, which actually is really powerful because you just get a bunch of like walls that go up to block any creatures and you chump block with them. Mm -hmm. And then if you can get like, you know, two psychic corrosions or whatever they're called down on the (laughs) board at the same time. And then so every time you draw a card, they get milled. And every time you play a blue card, they get milled. And then that's that's kind of why I like it. And it's fun. Um, And it's won a couple times and anybody can bring anything into those matches. So it's funny that that deck will win against. You can make these like super brutal decks and there's no rules, basically, you know, so.
0: Yeah. Now, do you ever put in those persistent partitioner buddies in there to also do some turbo mill?
1: Um, I although I understand the value of the card, I just don't like stacking more than four of any card in the deck, and I feel like it's most powerful when you make sure you draw them, you know? Yeah. So like although you can have as many as you want, I don't know. It's just it, it's yes, it is a strong tactic, but it's just not super fun for me. So yeah. I uh, I don't I don't use them very much. Mm-hmm. There's like a zero four drop, uh, uh, zero 4 drop, a 0-4 that yeah. um, put down in it, like mills two or whatever. It's like a one drop.
0: Yeah, it's a, a merfolk, I think. I
1: think so. And then there's the um, the adventure card that has the sorcery yeah. stacked on it that you can, it's just a one drop mill and then you get a zero four 4 creature to put on the board or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I find those very powerful just because, you, you know. Yeah. As they long are- as they can jump lock.
0: Yeah, they do both things, right? They do the mill part of things, and then they do the chump block so that you can extend the game and get your game plan going on.
1: Exactly. So,
0: Do you put a Ruin Crab in there, maybe? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so a full play set of Ruin Crabs, and that uh, that's, a, that's a fascinating card. Um, it's simply play a land and you mill the opponent. How much is it for three or four, or how much?
1: I, I like anything where you play a land. I like landfall, basically. Like mm-hmm. Um, three,
0: three, so yeah, three that that adds up. And imagine if you've got four of them out at once that's uh that's a whole lot of cards getting milled at once. and I'm sure with everything else you've got going on, yeah, it's a pretty pretty amazing sort of turbo mill deck now there was a there was a guest uh, on the podcast um at one point where she said that, uh yeah, I, I hate these mill players, but then when I had her on a few months later, she's like, you know what? I just became a dirty mill player too.
1: sounds about right well because you just look at it and you're like wow it's crazy what you're able to do and i just like how like in magic um Life is a resource, you know, so I just like totally ignore your life. Yeah, <laughs> I just there's this other like like semi life pool. And, you know, if you're playing 40 to 60 card decks, you know what you need to get there and just I mean, there's some stupid cards where towards the end of it, it's like mill half the library, you know, then, <laughs> yeah. like, all that kind of stuff. So if you can, you just got to survive. Like if you run up against like a red white like a boros, it's just, you know, like, yeah, that's a little bringing little guys. That you, yeah. Bringing guys at your face, it's like, over at that point but you know if you play the right kind of deck they're gonna lose
0: mm-hmm.
1: but isn't that magic
0: yeah there it, it can be the luck of the draw you can have a you can have a jank deck and still win up against the mythic player if the cards work i like how that i uh, had a, an example where i was in i don't know like platinum level or whatever and i played like the, a really basic uh popper vampire deck it was just like common vampires and i was able to win best of three out of this player that obviously had been trying to play a little bit more meta so whatever you you bring in sometimes it's the luck of the draw that you win against someone more powerful
1: absolutely i was gonna say i love how like that's still like a tournament entry deck that just says jank
0: you know what (laughs) i mean and
1: i love it because you know exactly where it's coming at you and like it's just it's like it's like a thorn in your side mm-hmm. so much that you finally just lose,
0: you know? <laughs> like, yeah.
1: And then that's kind of where I feel like where it's at with, with that kind of deck. So it's it's
0: fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been having fun as well. As for me, I've been playing a little bit of everything. I've been on the ladder. Not that much standard. I guess I'm still scarred from standard of a few months ago before the bans.
1: Oh, yeah, the, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I've been playing a lot of historic... And I like that it's a larger card pool and you run into less of the same decks over and over in Historic. So when I'm trying to play for real on the ladder, I'm usually playing Historic. And I've had a lot of fun with a really, speaking of jank, I've been playing a mono-white Ulamog deck in um, Historic. So Ulamog is the 10 casting cost, 10-10 indestructible Eldrazi. That when you summon nice. it, it it when you summon it, you can exile two permanents, and obviously you're gonna exile your opponent's lands. So yep. then when it attacks, it then mill it then exiles into mill twenty cards at a time. So the big idea with that deck is, of course, it's just to ramp as hardcore as possible. And now, yep. okay, ramp in white is all about the mana rocks. So as many mana yep. rocks in there, and then a couple of board wipes in case the opponent dares to play creatures. And then I'm trying to get little Ugin, which gets you into big Ugin, and then Ulamog. And then when it happens, I've been there at a few times when the opponent has gotten me down to like single digit life. I summon yep. either big Ugin or Ulamog, and then they concede because it's that big
1: yeah they they just well they know it's over so
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. it, it
1: all makes sense why they've been sandbagging this whole game
0: yeah they didn't do anything but they just put a, a two a two cost mana rock oh, and they put out another one another mana Oh, what are they doing and then suddenly when i get to the eight or even six mana and my stuff is happening yep they they figure it out <laughs> that's awesome so i've been playing um the i've been playing the historic ladder a lot i've also been playing brawl a lot i've been enjoying enjoying that too because of the challenge of deck building there in terms of it's all singleton you have this brawl that lets you craft a deck and i put the stipulations on myself that i love to pick a commander and really make a deck that is flavorful for me brawl or commander is really about the the flavor of it not trying to put in like the most powerful cards really optimizing it and trying to go into cedh and so forth uh for me it's like this is a vampire deck so everything's vampires oh that you know uh, bane bane's angel is amazing but it's not a vampire so i don't i won't pick it
1: that's that's how i like to play too and me and my buddy is like when so i lived in a house and there was like five people living at the house basically and um we all played magic and we would all gather around the table and that's basically what it came down to because like we could all like my buddy is like a pretty popular musician and he could have (laughs) spent like all the money he wanted to destroy us you know (laughs) but like what's the point in that you know what i mean there's no fun in that so like um do you remember when they had um when they had that giant collection of the theme decks come out and it was like a giant blue box and it had like the elf deck the um hmm. the uh etc it was all the themed decks and it was a giant collector's edition now i want to look it up
0: um, well, uh what like about what year or so was that do you remember
1: this was probably like six years ago now.
0: Yeah, I wasn't in Magic at that point. I had a gap between 2000 and 2017, so I missed what was going on at that point, but that sounds like a pretty cool product.
1: Oh my god, it's absolutely insane and I I think he still has it. Oh my god, but it has it has the Sliver deck, the elf deck and it's literally like 10 or 12 decks and it's in this giant awesome thing mm-hmm. and it was only it wasn't too expensive um
0: was it, uh, was it, were those commander decks or stand or standard decks or modern? Or? They were
1: just standard, regular decks, okay. uh, standard decks or whatever. Um, 60 card, any, anyway, yeah, it was, oh my god. Anyways, let's move on from it, but it's, uh, <laughs> sure. it's, it's literally a collector's edition with all the different theme decks, and, mm-hmm. um, they weren't necessarily balanced, but we would all just be like, okay, I'm going to play the elf one this time, or, you know, I'm going to play slivers, et cetera, et cetera, and, um, mm-hmm. So we 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 that's what we did. Like somebody made a cat deck, which I know you're a big fan of cats. Um and all that kind of thing. So we would just make theme decks and oh, we'd made a bear deck just all the bears we could find. Mm-hmm. Like basically every green bear and black bear we could possibly find. Yeah. And then uh yeah, we would just do that cuz it would be fun and even if the deck was inferior, we would just like make up house rules, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and stuff like that just And you were usually
0: playing those players. multiplayer or were those like one-on-ones?
1: Oh, there's, like, my one-on-one. We did a few. We started to dabble in, like, commander-type stuff and, like, multiplayer ones. But um, some of the decks in that Collector's Edition box were, like, so dominant, mm-hmm. you know, um, that it was just kind of, like, we had to, like, rule out the zombie deck or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it was just, like, you know, it's not fair. Like, you, I, um, I'm pretty sure the Elf deck was pretty unstoppable just because you got so much mana ramp. And, mm-hmm. like, it was really fast. With the mm. Lano War and stuff like that. And those were the better Lano Wars.
0: Are you playing any any Brawl decks on Arena uh, uh, recently?
1: No, I actually only played Brawl once on Arena. Mm. I'm not going to lie. Um, I guess maybe I'm still trying to like grasp mag- just regular Magic to begin with. And um, fitting it into my gaming schedule as it is. Um, I play a lot of different games. And uh, one in particular has my attention really hard right now. So I, I actually just started playing arena again actively like the last maybe month yeah um just because me and my girlfriend have been playing um you know in person and stuff so
0: well speaking of other games that are very very popular might that other game you're talking about be that one with all those little space chores and stuff
1: uh, well, that one, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Destiny, and that one just came out. So it is... Does, <laughs> it's, wow, you nailed it. Space Chores. I never really thought about that.
0: I think we're talking about different games, because I'm talking about Among Us, that one. Oh,
1: uh, no. Wow. But you... No. Destiny uh, I, is also Space, space Chores? <laughs> yeah, Destiny is literally Space Chores, though. Cause, but... uh. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, I'm gonna say that to all my friends now when I play. I'm like, you ready to go do some space chores? Um, but no, I haven't played Among Us yet either, though I own the game.
0: Mm-hmm. It does seem like there is a, a big golden age, um, at the moment of, of games, especially multiplayer type of games. And Among Us is the one that I, I'm seeing so many, um, memes a- about them and so many magic personalities also talking about. Well, yeah, we're gonna play magic, but tomorrow we're gonna play Among Us, so um, that, that's a big one. But so, how's uh, how's Destiny going?
1: Well, Destiny's good. Uh, it just came out recently, so I'm just playing Beyond Light, which is a new one. But the game I actually was talking about was Escape from Tarkov. Oh, yeah. I play that game like a, uh, like a, just put it in my veins.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've stopped by on the stream, and it's pretty, pretty intense. It's so realistic, you know. I, 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 for me, it's just magic. And I, on and off, played a little bit of Doom recently. Actually, the, the old 1993 Doom, and right. um, it's uh, you know, let's pr- talk about the progenitors of these t- sorts of games, Doom. Fast forward to Tarkov and the Tarkov looking through the scope and there's the grass blowing and the oh, yeah. sound of the boots on the different material, uh, whether you're on the grass or the concrete or whatever, it's just amazing what games have evolved into.
1: Uh, it's absolutely blows my mind. And it's literally like changed my perception. Like when I'm outdoors in real life, like <laughs> I will hear things and I will like think about it in like almost a Jason born sense,
0: yeah. you know,
1: and like just stuff like that you know i i I even joked with my girlfriend i'm like tarkov is like we were taking a hike and i was like tarkov is like if we're just walking through this beautiful area but anybody could be anywhere trying to shoot at us you know (laughs) and i'm like imagine how hard it would be to constantly scan everywhere and you know beyond like edge and i'm like that's what the game's like and that's kind of the appeal for me you know not that i want that to happen to me in real life (laughs) my point is it's just like having the hyper awareness it's, 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 it embodies meta, and that's a big reason. And let's you know bring this back around. That's a big reason why I like Magic. <laughs> and um, I think we've talked about this once before, but you know how like they have the supercomputers that can beat you in chess, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Well, I guess they were the same people who were talking about trying to build a computer that could beat anybody in Magic the Gathering. And they were basically saying that if you were to pull from like Magic's full pull of cards, and like there was no like you know rules like standard or any of that kind of stuff they were basically saying it'd be impossible to do because like there are just so many you know just so many different rules and different styles etc etc and they said like the, basically the supercomputer couldn't grasp the meta of, yeah. of, of uh of, of, of magic, magic. So I, I i thought that was pretty amazing
0: i think it is and it is amazing and It is so true. If you do go with the card pool of 20,000 cards with so many interactions, old cards or modern cards or even cards more recently, there's just so many possibilities. And there's even like the elements if you're playing, especially in real life, bluffing. No, right? You don't have anything good in your hand, but you're still going to go all in as if you've got that Cyclonic Rift or something. Um,
1: Or you hold mana back. Yeah. Like you have a counter, so they're not going to cast their bomb thinking you're going to drop the counter and all you've been yeah. holding is a mana in your well, hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no computer is going to be able to figure out bluffing for, for a long time. Well, hopefully. I, I don't want to be replaced by a computer. But uh, the, magic is definitely very, very complex. So Brawl is just another way to play. And like you said, you got back into things. And and yeah, maybe check out some Brawl at some point because it is... When you, I w- I, The the reason I would jump into Brawl once in a while is if I get tired of, like, I kind of see the same decks over and over on, on the ladder or whatever sometimes. Going over to Brawl, that's where I kind of see people, because it's not ranked, I do see people there kind of, like, experimenting with more weird things. I just uh, was playing earlier today, and, and someone had, I don't know the name of it yet, but there's this new, I guess from Ikoria, there's this new green and white huge beast or something that all it really does when it enters the battlefield is it lets you go get two two lands, one one plains, one forest. So I I couldn't quite get what they were trying to do in that deck, but they had this commander. It was a four-drop commander and on turn four, okay, go get two more lands. And they never really like got into anything huge like, well I'm getting 20 mana so I can bring out a big old XX2020 creature or whatever but whatever they were doing they they had a plan of i'm going to make a deck i'm going to put this commander and here's my idea here's my strategy so that's one of the reasons i'm kind of liking uh, brawl whenever i want to decompress from like the the rat race of the ladder
1: <clears throat> yeah that totally makes sense um is it like explain to me brawl a little bit though is it like
0: so it's basically it's it's multiplayer. Uh, it's two player on on arena. So we just we we have two players at the moment. Hopefully one okay. day it'll be four player. But if you played in real life, yeah, it's four player. It's kind of like commander. It's just uh, it's sixty cards instead of a hundred cards. It's singleton, mm-hmm. so one of each. Um, on a two player brawl, you start with twenty five life instead of twenty life. On a four player, you start with thirty life. There is um, Legendary Creatures as the commander or Planeswalkers as the commander. And um, that's the big difference. 60 cards, different life total. I think there's no commander damage because the life totals are a little smaller instead of 40 life. Um, So it's a lot like commander, but just ones of each start with a Legendary Creature and do shenanigans.
1: Okay. Totally makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally get it now
0: yeah oh any final thoughts on like your current magic uh what magic is for you at the moment
1: um it it, to me uh it's like a good blow off steam thing right now i'm not taking it like super serious or anything like that it's just something i'll log into like i said do the dailies which i always talk about uh do a couple drafts um make a fun deck and just kind of like go all in on it and try to beat people up quickly (laughs) Um, but uh yeah i mean it's a game i'll always play i played since literally fifth grade when i was given cards and it's something that will always come back into my life no matter what i do and and, and it's basically on that wave again where it's coming back into my life right now so i'm excited yeah. to. Do
0: it. that's the thing that it seems like whether it's a short amount of time or a long amount of time you may have left magic but math, magic hasn't left you because it's still there and you can always come back to it and now that it's digital it's even there free download just fire up your account and you're ready to play again So let's uh, talk about some new cards that are out that actually are not on Arena. But uh, even though the show is a focus on Arena, it's still all about magic. So there's a brand new set coming very soon as of this podcast. All of the cards have been revealed. We've got Commander Legends. So this is a brand new set with like literally like 300 cards that are, some are reprints, some are new, and it's just a big love letter to Commander this year. Apparently, Wizards is, is decreeing it the year of Commander. So, so many new Commander-centered uh, cards. There's a whole Commander set. There's some Commander pre-cons that are coming out, that have come out, that will come out. So, it's all Commander all the time. So, that's some of the, uh, so, some cards so that's the new set that's coming out soon. Um, you you picked a, a few cards to, to talk about. You want to talk about the first one that, that caught your eye? So
1: yeah, I kind of went, uh, I looked at the link you showed me, and I kind of went like uh, from the bottom up. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But um, I was looking at, and it kind of made me start with a couple artifacts. And though they might not be the most powerful, and I get it's like a commander um, base set, and I'm not like super familiar with commander, so um, I don't think um, I, I didn't pick cards that I knew would be great for the set. I just kind of picked cards that I thought were super interesting and I like yeah. how they play. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of them is called Universal Solvent. It's an mm-hmm. artifact. It's actually only a one-drop. Uh, but then you pay seven, tap the artifact, and destroy target permanent. And that's <laughs> yeah. all it says. And it's a common. And I know, um, you know, everybody loves the rares and everything but I just feel like you know at that point you're probably gonna have seven mana that you can burn um, if you don't have cards you can play you can literally just start pinging things across the board I thought that would be a really fun uh, fun card to play and it's kind of interesting because the card art is like like a rogue agent dropping like little <laughs> drips of something into like something that's turning it into a smoke. And yeah. I thought that was just kind of, I really liked the whole vibe of the card. And it said a few drops of this and the trickiest problems simply melt away. <laughs> uh, so I, I thought it was a fun card again. I don't know how powerful it would be. It's common, but I just think like if you can just literally destroy target permanent, which is a very, very broad word in magic. And I love when it says permanent, because it's just like kill anything.
0: Yeah. I like that pick. Actually it, um, I have used it in, in real life. That one was a, was has previously been printed. I'm I'm looking it up here. It was in Kaladesh, which that's c- coming to Arena actually it just debuted today as we record this. But uh, Kaladesh was the um, artifact set from a few years ago, so first printed there. So very interesting card, right? It's a one mana artifact, but then seven to destroy, as you said, a permanent. So people forget permanents include lands as well. So you can do the meanest thing in Magic. You know, let's let's rank the meanest things. Number one, destroying lands. Number two, mill. What what else do you think is the meanest? Counter spells, number three, right?
1: Yeah, which is why I like red, because red has a lot of land destruction. And I always <laughs> thought that was a very interesting concept because like how awful like even though usually land destruction has a high cost, so you can't play it till later, like how mean is it, especially if somebody's like, you know, mana starved to just start, to, you know? Well now mm. you have two mana and we're at like turn twenty, so good luck
0: with that. Yeah. Part. And it's interesting to think about the evolution of um, of land destruction because back when I played in the late 90s, there was a card called Sinkhole, which was a black sorcery, I think. I don't think it was an instant, but it was a sorcery. Two black mana, destroy target land, the end. And it was in black, so yeah. that was pretty epic. And there was also, of course, good old Strip Mine, which is a land that you could then destroy, yeah. tap itself to destroy any land. Nowadays, they make it more fair with like destroy your land, but then you get a land back and they destroy non-basic land and all of that. It's way too nice. Back in the day it was two black mana destroy your land or strip mine to destroy your land. So
1: yeah. Good you, luck with that, but
0: <laughs> yeah. So Universal Solvent. I like it. I've used it in, in real life. And uh, yeah very cool art on that as well. So one of the ones that I picked, I I did go, am I being am I being too obvious? I did pick some cats for this uh uh this conversation and the one that i went with was um so after dominaria magic started to incorporate more let uh uncommon legendaries so this is an uncommon legendary ca- oh wow let me send it over here to you just so you can check it out as well this is feltis shadow familiar This wins my pick for many reasons. One is that art is, like, hilarious and amazing. It's like some weird nightmare demonic cat, like, thin and emaciated with huge ears and glowing purple eyes. So I love it. And then the name, Falthus, Shadow Familiar. That's amazing. And then the type line is a nightmare cat. Okay, so what does it do? It's a 2-2. Commanders you control have menace and death touch. So, again, it's not, like over-the-top powerful people love the rares the and the mythics and all of that but this is a fun kind of card to also do some sort of shenanigans with giving your commanders death touch because it can partner so partner is um the ability to play two commanders um as long as they each have partner so you can have this cat plus something else and you've got like like maybe your big strong tough looking commander and then you've got this like little cat but then it's also pretty cool because it's a nightmare cat giving everything menace and death touch your commanders that is
1: I was actually going to ask you about partner because um, that was one of the questions I had for you. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it totally makes sense, but yeah. So it just means you have two commanders and you can destroy, you can choose which one you want to play. Essentially,
0: they're both hanging out in the command zone, actually. And if you've got the mana for it, yeah, and if you have got the mana for it, you can play them both out at at the same time or whatever. But they both have to have partner, so you can't. Um, actually, wait a minute, uh, partner. You have you can have two commanders if they if both have, yes exactly so they both need partner you can't combine this with any other run-of-the-mill legendary card so they've got they've, they've both got to have partner and then you get two commanders at once
1: i absolutely love the art and i knew you were gonna pick a cat <laughs> so actually actually if we can I, I i picked out a cat card for you as well
0: <laughs> all right go for it
1: um scrounging bandar it is actually a cat monkey which I thought was, uh, it, it's one colorless and one green. And uh, scrounging band orange is a battlefield with two plus one plus one. At the beginning of your upkeep, you could move any number of plus one and plus one onto another creature. I'm going to send you.
0: Oh, I'm looking at it here. And that was going to be, that was going to be my... My pick of not to pick because I kind of don't like this card, and just because of the art, it's like too weird for me. It's like oh, so you already
1: looked it up? Okay,
0: <laughs> this weird <laughs> monkey cat with like lynx ears, and it's holding some keys with its tail. Like this, the art the art freaks me out. So I I was not gonna pick this, but thank you for picking it for me. I'm thinking of the cat guy, so thanks.
1: <laughs> I, I had to. I and I purposely picked the weirdest one I could possibly find because <laughs> I I really just I love. There's a lot of like there's like the shark octopus yeah. crab or whatever. And there's yeah. a lot of creatures that are like quite interesting in terms of their names. And I thought cat monkey was one that I I never thought I would see
0: together. Yeah. I I think the concept of it is pretty cool, but just something about that art, it just it just makes me feel weird. So if it was like may, maybe cuter looking art or something, imagine like the head of that Falthus card and then the body of a monkey, but, but maybe not a monkey that is so humanoid. I think also I have this weird thing in the back of my mind that like the more humanoid uh, the The more human like apes that they are, the more they 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 make me feel weird. And then it's like I like I like the monkeys that look like monkeys, you know, a little more monkey. Too close,
1: little too close to home for you.
0: Yeah, too close to to our part of the evolutionary chain. So, it's just like some weird psychological thing that I have. So this this card is is hitting all of those things, like this this weird monkey, and it's got a cat head, and it's stealing my keys. Weird.
1: <laughs> Anyways, I saw that and I thought of you. It.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, if I'm playing that Falthus card plus with a green commander, then the Scrounging Bandar could be part of the squad because you know cats plus cats. So that's the type of deck I tried to build.
1: I feel like there's a there's like some good uh, there's a couple blue or blue green cards that allow you to add counters onto creatures, and mm-hmm. if you can just start stacking count, cr- creature counters on this creature, and then you know you mm-hmm. can move them around as you may. I mean it's just a, interesting. I just picked it because it was a cat monkey.
0: We forgot to say this, but uh, were you aware that this new Commander Legends is also designed in a way that's supposed to be draftable?
1: I did not. So, yeah.
0: so, so that's it. You're supposed to. It's like a gonna be like draft, but it's all like focused towards Commander. So, I forgot to check the complete rules, but I believe you are able to take two cards on your first pick, something like that. Um, And so it is, you're supposed to build a commander deck in draft out of this new product. You're supposed to do a 60 card deck out of it. You know how you do regular draft and you make a 40 card deck instead of a standard 60? Well, this is a commander deck that you do out of this product. And a couple of other changes are also, it's not limited to one of each, like regular commander, because then that's, too much of a stipulation so uh, there's a few changes but you're supposed to build a commander deck out of this product in a draft format
1: it makes sense because you know they make a lot of their money off selling boxes right Mm -hmm. like even me and my friend like on a friday night we would be like hanging out and be like you guys want to throw it out on a box you know what i mean and -hmm. everybody put like 20 dollars and we just do a draft or whatever like i feel like and then when i would go to the shops i would see you know groups doing that two three times a night you know buy two three four boxes and like not only does it help the local shops but it also you know that's i think that's where they make a lot of their money and i feel like if they see you know if -hmm. they see a, a a want they're gonna fill a need or whatever you know what i mean
0: yeah i think it's a interesting direction to go to i think i think it's no i get it i think in terms of Wizards is going to figure out ways to keep Magic players happy, and one way is people like to open boxes, especially with friends, and just like you said, so let us they're thinking probably, let's combine Commander, which appears to be very popular, and let's combine Drafting, which appears to be popular, and let's combine people playing with friends, which appears to be popular, so let's put all of that together, and here we've got a new product, Commander Legends. So, the Scrounging Bandar, which you probably wouldn't really pick it in a, if you're trying to do a real Commander deck out of a you know, a pool of twenty thousand cards. Yeah. But if you're doing a draft, this is gonna be pretty cool because you've got these counters that you could move around uh onto yeah. other things that could maybe you maybe you put a counter onto something that's a flyer now with double strike. So this little, you know, cat monkey doesn't need that counter anymore. It's getting chump block on the on the ground. So pass one or two of those counters to your flyer or your evasive creature.
1: And what you can do is just move both of those plus one, plus one counters off of it and kill it off because you hate the picture, anyways.
0: <laughs> yes, that's going to be my that's going to be my strategy. It's gonna its only purpose in life is to die. That's too dark. Awesome, that's, that's, awesome. that's too dark. But yes, <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> I, I totally with you <laughs> All
0: right, so um,
1: I actually had another artifact I was going to talk about, yeah. which kind of ties into the universal solvent. Um, it's called Niven. Neural's Disk, I might have <laughs> pronounced that wrong. But uh it's also an artifact. It's actually a four drop and you pay one tap and destroy all artifacts, creatures and enchantments.
0: Yeah, you might have pronounced it a little off, but so has everyone else for the last 25 years because this <laughs> card actually has been around. Let me look at it here. I believe it. All the way back since since uh oh this has been around since alpha apparently so that's tw- that's 1993 wow. this card's been i thought it was like a little later than that but yeah this card's been around since a long time now uh the the thing about it is that i pronounce i pronounce it nevin you all which who knows if that's right go. but it's an anagram for the author larry niven
1: oh i see it okay and so, as as you say that, that so sense. people,
0: so, so people just call it Larry Niven's disc or Larry's disc, because who can pronounce it, never you your all, or however you pronounce it.
1: But yeah. Got it.
0: That's a, that's a really cool, um, artifact. That's, uh, again, I'm just like, I that one. just like universal solvent. Yeah. It's, this is a literal like reset button. If things aren't going my way, it's like, eh, let's start all over. Uh, there go your artifact creatures and enchantments. Let's, let's, let's keep going.
1: Yeah. But there go mine as well, yeah. as well as this disc. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. It's not in this set, but there is that one i uh Teferi's protection uh white instant card that phases out all your stuff, so I guess what you could do is nevin your disc uh tap it to start to destroy things and then give all of your things indestructible with uh Teferi's protection and then you save your stuff, but that's too mean
1: okay yeah i i just i when I looked at it, I was like that's really strong.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I like the art on that.
1: Unnecessary. My, unnecessary, yeah. I, the art as well, like the um, the art that goes out past the borders is pretty cool as well.
0: It's like everything's collapsing upon itself, and they have so much power in their hand, and this is, yeah, an example of a classic card that's been around 25 years where it's a forecasting cost, but its ability is just $1 one more generic mana although it does have the safety of coming in tapped so this is a rare card and um the ultimate reset button okay
1: pretty much yeah
0: do you find yourself going maybe towards some of these like weirder cards that really mess with your opponent i know you said you like mill which is a great way to mess with the opponent but what about other other things throughout your magic history do you like messing with the opponent
1: uh yeah i think it's fun um I just like I said. I guess throwing curveballs at my opponent is fun to me, yeah. especially when people like get so serious and stuff about the game or whatever. So when you kind of can, I guess maybe bring them out of their shell, showing them a different style of game. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's great. Now, I also think a lot of the time you get stomped <laughs> yeah. because meta is meta for a reason, um, yeah. and I understand it. But you know, if you can, if you can, if you can catch them, catch them looking.
0: It's always yeah. fun to... yeah go out of the beaten path of the usual so that that's fun to jazz it up well my next uh, card here let me pass it over there is a uh, totally
1: my next card for you go ahead
0: totally swole cat commander over here prava of the steel legion like i hope to have abs like that one day um but i guess i have to do a lot of crunches so this is uh, one white two generic Legendary creature, cat soldier. This is another one of these uncommons. Like I mentioned a moment ago, the other cat I picked, Wizards, has gone in uh, on another set of uncommon legendaries. Legendaries have pretty much always been rare or mythic because they're, like, so legendary. But then with Dominaria, they shifted a little bit to put uncommon legendaries, and they brought some of that back for this set. So here we have the really? uncommon
1: Mm -hmm. Didn't they, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, didn't they do Uncommon um, Planeswalkers as well uh, in uh, War of the Spark, was it?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They took that type of card, which was originally, I think, always Mythic, and then they put it to all levels. Here's a Mythic, a Rare, or Uncommon Planeswalker. So what do you think in general about that, about taking these cards that were originally at such a high rarity, because they were so powerful, and then like making them also into Rares and Uncommons?
1: I think I'm fine with that. I feel like the loyalty um, counters that came with them uh, corresponded to their worth, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Also, um, a lot of the ones that were uncommon only had, like, you know what I mean, one static ability and one pay ability. And yeah. then you would either have to have a creative way to give loyal- loyalty counters back to them or they die pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think they did a good job balancing it, personally.
0: I read a lot of um, Mark Rosewater's articles or listen to his podcast, and he's talked about that, that when they were trying to figure out, well, we usually put two or three, maybe four planeswalkers in a set, and here we were going to go with all 30 whatever of them. We had to figure out what we needed to do so that we didn't completely break everything, and through a lot of collaboration, they figured out, okay, the like just like you said static abilities and only pay abilities so that they don't get out of hand and you have to do other ways to give them loyalty abilities so I, I there's just so many big brains working at the company to figure out all of these various play patterns and keep adding to and iterating and improving and changing this game that's been around 27 years
1: if not they ban it
0: <laughs> that's uh, that's the that's the uh, nevin Ural's disc approach then
1: C- correct. And, I, you know, I mean, nothing's ever going to be perfect and they're yeah. never going to get it right. But, uh, you know, I figure the people that make the game know it the best for the most part. And yeah. if their internal playtesting shows that this is really good or this isn't or whatever, they're going to fix it. And mm-hmm. uh, I think they did a good job with it. Um, there were a couple cards that came out of World of the Spark, War of the Spark, that were, um, you know, a little OP. But other mm-hmm. than that, I think they did a really good job of, like, containing it.
0: I have a I have a, a fondness for that set because that was when I think when they went into this new age of magic in terms of remember the trailer everyone loved that trailer.
1: I do. We actually um, recorded a podcast right around the time together um, when that mm-hmm. came out, so we had like a whole reaction and all that, and it was uh, awesome. I really, really, really enjoyed it, and I continue to enjoy what they're doing.
0: Yeah, so that was that was kind of like a new turning point, a cool trailer to get your attention, planeswalkers at different levels, um just uh, oh and then the, like epic story of uh Bolas is wrecking everything. So, um that's kind of hard to believe that that was already back in uh 2018, April 2018, I believe. Sound about right?
1: Yeah, it does. And um it kind of just like brings it back around to um, here where you have this uncommon legendary creature cat soldier that's pretty strong
0: yeah I like it that it's uh so it's it says as long as it's your turn creature tokens you control get plus one plus four so even your like lowly let's say you made a bunch of plant tokens with this with that recent card phylath um, which are zero one plants and let's say you've got prava out so those zero one plants are now two fives. And they're not walls, so they could be attacking, and you're, you're overrunning your opponent with weeds. <laughs> Whatever uh, tokens you have, these tokens are huge, and it's sort of like a static ability, kind of. Now, it does then have a um, an activated ability without a tap, so as long as you've got the mana for this, you can do it over and over. Basically, you pay four, and you create a 1-1 Soldier Creature token. Now, I do have to call out Wizards of the Coast. I hope someone gets hot-fired for this. Why are they not cat Soldier creature tokens—they're human soldier creature tokens.
1: Uh, yeah, there's even enough room uh, for the text on the cards, <laughs> so it's not like you could say that they ran out of room for text. So yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: 100%. yeah. So um, I'll I'll just draw little cat ears because uh, I'm looking also at the uh, at the actual official token, and it's a you know pretty cool looking guy, and he's a soldier token and such. But I'll just draw little cat ears so I can pretend that Prava actually made cat soldier creatures. But anyway, four mana to make tokens and all of those tokens get plus one plus four so i thought this was a pretty fun card it's got partner so you can partner this cat plus the other cat and do some black and white cat commander shenanigans
1: <laughs> yeah um actually uh speaking of black cats mm-hmm. i picked one more cat for you that mm-hmm. i liked mm-hmm. hopefully this one uh like tickles your fancy a little more this is the rock Shasha debaser <laughs> and uh whenever this this is a creature cat demon <laughs> it's a six cost two black four colorless um whenever rock debaser attacks put target creature from defending player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control mm-hmm. uh, it's a six six and it has an encore of eight six colorless two bl- uh swamps mm-hmm. and uh basically exile this card from your graveyard for each opponent, create a token copy that attacks that opponent in this term. If able, they gain haste, sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step. Mm-hmm. And only when you can do sorceries. I particularly like this card because there's a couple things going on here. Rock's Shasta's in d d lore, their hands are backwards, actually. Huh? So I don't know why in this um, picture, that one is not having backwards hands. But at the same time, I don't know. What are they mounting and killing? Is that another cat or some sort of bear creature? Because I'm not sure.
0: I'm, I'm looking at the closer up of it, which is not completely uh, completely clear, but I right away thought it was a dog just to do the classic oh, okay. cats versus dogs sort of thing. Because I think that I see a dog with its like little tongue out also, like the classic cartoon I'm dead sort of expression with a tongue out. And in my mind, that's what that is. Rakshasa is debasing this poor dead dog, uh, and all of its energy is floating out, all of its purple energy, and its tongue is flopping out. So that's what I think is in the art.
1: So how pure are you with your cat decks? Can they have cat demons and
0: cat monkeys? Or (laughs) is it just
1: going to be... OK,
0: yeah, any anything that is a cat, if they want to be an honorary cat, we'll take them in as well. Uh, oh, wow, I'm going okay. to go with cat demons, cat monkey cats and um, cat nightmares. What are the kinds of cats do we have? Those are the big ones, I think. But maybe are there any like cat constructs or something like mechanical cats? Yeah, we'll, we'll take them all.
1: Got it. Got it. All inclusive
0: group, <laughs> yeah. Um I've been having fun a little off, off uh a little side detour. Um, did you ever see that card in which set was it but rin and seri that one cat dog card oh no i
1: did not and that was one of my i like that show
0: yeah uh, so growing
1: up i was a fan of cat dog
0: let me let me send it to you here and seri um they this was one of these buy a box ones here you go right here if you don't have it this was a, buy a box. and what set was it it was um oh m21 so Uh I I thought this was really cool, this um it's a cat and a dog and if you see there it's a legendary creature now this is this is the flavor fail. Dog cat. Well we all know it was cat dog, the TV show, the cartoon show, right? Correct. Okay, okay. Why didn't they put a cat dog just to follow along with what everyone knew about the show? But Rin and Sari inseparable and it's a couple of cute it's a cat and a dog and they're all um, I was talking to another guest on a previous episode. If you look carefully, like even like their little paws, their little paws are their hands are at each other. Like you know, their boyfriend and girlfriend or whatever, or, or in a relationship. They're like really cute together and they're looking off and having their their family portrait taken. Um, so really fun card in three colors, uh, Naya I believe, and it does a lot of fun stuff. You summon, you summon a dog, you get a cat, or you summon a cat, you get a dog, and then you pay the those Naya colors, and then it does damage to any target based on the number of dogs you have which counts itself and then you gain life based on the number of cats so I've made a brawl deck out of that and on that one it's the cats plus the dogs deck
1: that's awesome
0: and it's a really fun fun, fun flavor card isn't it
1: yeah absolutely I like it it uh it's like the dog and the cat that met and hate had hated each other at first <laughs> and then you know you walk in the house when you come home from work and then you notice they're cuddled up together, and you're like, Yoo, "You, you, you, you," <laughs> you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I like that range of magic can be like tough and badass and all of that, but it can also be cute and funny and fluffy and furry. And I think there's a little bit of everything for everyone. If they, especially in the last several years, they've they've tried to be, magic has tried to be that much more inclusive. That it's not just like the the, the big tough warriors and all of that. It's it's a little bit of everything.
1: Absolutely. I'm a big fan.
0: So I like I like that ruk, ruk Rakshasa. You said it's its arms are is it its hands or its whole arms are backwards in in D&D.
1: Just the hands. So in D&D uh have uh, backwards hands. So mm-hmm. just turn just spin your arms. Or I mean your hands 180. And yeah. That's what they have. I don't know. My buddy always told me that um, when we played D&D together mm-hmm. and it was kind of like a bad fate. Ah, okay. for 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 whoever that happened to, mm-hmm. he didn't want to really be a rakshasa. But well,
0: well this cleaner. one, this one's got a bad fate for your opponents as well because okay, like we said, six mana, it's a six six, um, with a brand new mechanic of encore. So this is this one's new, and it's sort of it's creating a a copy of itself to attack all of your opponents and then it exiles so you get one more encore one more stab at it with this creature it's it's a lot of mana but obviously for the later game when you've built a lot of mana you can send a 6-6 to all your opponents and then the ability put target creature from defending player's graveyard to the battlefield under your control so this is yeah this is really fun thanks for picking this one because it showcases the new mechanic, and then it does some some fun stuff of messing with your opponent, stealing the stuff out of the graveyard. One of the things that I like to do to mess with the opponents when I play magic is steal their stuff. I like some of that control magic where you steal their own creature or their own spell or whatever. So that was a good pick here.
1: Yeah, I like that. I especially like things like uh, create a copy uh, or a token copy of a creature your opponent controls and that kind of stuff. It's really fun to me as well. Mm Mm-hmm. I uh, just sent so you like just so you can see the backwards-handed cat,
0: so it makes no oh, sense. okay, yeah, that's that. On the on the one hand, uh, pun. On the one hand, you don't notice it's too weird. But then when you actually look at it, like that is very very weird. So this one looks pretty pretty regal with with his with <laughs> his incense and everything. That's cool. I was just going to note, uh, Trampier 77, is that possibly like actually from uh, art from 1977, perhaps? I would believe so, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so let's see, I think, uh, where's my list? I have one more. Um, so the... um.
1: If you have one more, I have one more as well, which is my actual
0: card that I picked. Yeah, I I've love. got my, my last one right here. So uh, the, the last cat uh, that I picked that caught my attention, this one's a rare, Armored Sky Hunter. So it's four mana, I should send that to you. It's four mana, it is a flying cat. So that's fun when those are around. This is a cat knight. Uh, although I I've noticed on a few arts a few times, that sort of like the focus of things isn't too obvious, because when I see just the art of this, I see like a big old pterodactyl or whatever. But the creature is the cat knight on its back, so it's sort of like, I, I sort of feel like this card art is focusing more on the, on the steed than the rider. But anyway, this is a 3-3 flying cat knight, and it's got a huge wall of text, but it's pretty interesting because... It lets you, uh, when you when it attacks, you look at the top six card of your library, you may put an aura or equipment directly onto the battlefield and then attach it if it's an equipment. So I like this in terms of if you've built a deck uh, with artifacts, uh, with equipment, I, I, like, I like equipment. I kind of like the nature of them, this reusable weapon. So if you've built a deck that synergizes with equipment, you're attacking with this in the air, and oftentimes maybe the opponent might not have some kind of air defense, um, then you can auto-equip that that cool weapon, that cool equipment onto the Skyhunter and do a little bit more damage or to any one of your other creatures. So that's my third pick.
1: I absolutely love that card, especially for the art, because I completely get what you're saying. It looks like the creature is the the focal point. But then when you look up and you look at her, it's a female cat that's Mm -hmm. dual-wielding two very (laughs) sharp-looking swords. And i just that's not something i want to uh you know (laughs) i i I wouldn't want to step to
0: yeah it is really cool art because you see a lot of the details i'm looking at the close-up as well it appears like she's wearing some very interesting sort of uh helmet that is also like very pointy just to re-emphasize okay i've got sharp i've got sharp blades i've got a sharp helmet but if i lose all of that i've got sharp claws and sharp teeth and there's also like cool flags behind her and then there's more of them flying around with like a cool moon or sun or something and pretty pretty cool art who did this one um
1: i'm a big fan
0: demon rook Rook. so yeah very cool
1: yeah yeah denman rook Mm -hmm. all right so i have for you the card that i was most interested in easily when i saw this and Mm -hmm. then I had a few questions about, so I'm going to send it to you right now. And that card is Yuriko, the sh- Tiger's Shadow. Mm-hmm. And it's a legendary creature, Human Ninja. Mm-hmm. And it has Commander Ninjitsu, pay one blue, one black. Um, return an unblocked attacker you control to hand. Put this card onto the battlefield from your hand or the command zone tapped and attacking. Mm-hmm. So, whenever a ninja you control... Deals combat damage to a player. Reveal the top card of your library and put that card in your hand. Each opponent loses life equal to that card's converted mana cost. Mm -hmm. Now we've talked about in the past, like my favorite set is Kamigawa and all the ninjas and the samurais. And I really loved everything about that. Here's a couple of problems I have with this card. One, there is literally not another ninja in this whole set. I looked through all the cards. So are you required to run older cards? You know what I mean?
0: No, it should be fine. Because if we look at the flavor or the reminder text, it says return an unblocked attacking attacker you control. So it it doesn't seem to rely on ninja. We were just used to in Kamigawa that there were so many ninja. We were used to that. Okay, I attack with a ninja. I'm going to ninjutsu out another creature onto it. Mm. But because there aren't any ninja in commander legends and it's not in that reminder text it is not dependent on a ninja to do her trick
1: okay that being said then would i be able to put other ninjas in this deck even though they're not in this
0: set if you're doing the draft or uh, the, if you're drafting commander legends no because it would there aren't any cards yeah. to draft but if you're if you're playing any other format besides drafting commander legends that yes you should be able to
1: gotcha okay that that was that was my question because and then does using the commander ninjutsu count i guess as putting like spending the mana to play your commander does that make sense so don't you need to pay more each time you you play your commander
0: no because this is a replacement effect um the regular casting cost on the top right corner that's what we yeah. use to then add the commander text to. But this is replacing the effect of the, of the um, main casting cost. So you would be able to ninjutsu it in, but see, it's mm-hmm. it sort of de- defeats itself in that, okay, in original Kamigawa, you, you don't know, are they going to ninjutsu in another ninja? If you've got this in the command zone people know it's in the command zone, and they know you can pay that too if something goes in unblocked. So it's sort of like not as sneaky as she could be because you see her in the command zone. So you're not adding the extra two commander tax every time you pay the commander ninjutsu because you're paying an alternate cost.
1: Got it. So I get, so the takeaway from that, is, okay.
0: And I'd also notice what it's saying. Technically, okay, it says Commander ninj- nin- Ninjitsu, one, one blue, one black. In parentheses, it fully spells out, which means one blue, one black, comma, return an unblocked attacker. So the casting cost that you're paying for is a blue and a black and a return a creature. It's technically not looking at or caring at that you're paying the casting cost of Yuriko from her main casting cost the casting cost is one blue one black return a creature so that never cares about the commander tax
1: that's what i thought and i thought that was like a bonus to the card but then i i kind of see the drawback in the and you know the thing that people can read what you're doing essentially Yeah. but then there's the rng of like what your card is you know on yeah. the top card of your library, because that can actually be pretty significant, especially if you're running a bomb, a couple bombs in there, you know, something like, a, you know, high casting cost. Yeah, exactly. Um, it can actually be a one three that puts down, you know, seven to ten damage, depending on what's next.
0: And it also depends on what kind of game you're playing. If it's a one on one, well, there's there's less trickiness you could do. But if you're playing a four player game, well, just attack the person that is that has no blockers and then you'll get you'll get you get that trigger. Mm hmm.
1: So I guess my excitement was just seeing another ninja in the deck, you know, yeah. and uh, especially a new one. Um, and then I guess you, you completely answer my questions, which is why you're my magic guru, because <laughs> I needed to know that. And I, I pretty much assumed like, no, you didn't pay the tax, but you know, I didn't know how it would work. And then um, I knew, I, I assumed you didn't need to have another ninja. And i it said unblocked attacker. I understand that. But like, I was thinking, well, if you're not playing this particular set and you're just playing in general, Like, can I just stack ninjas into my deck? And then Mm -hmm. whenever a ninja, you know what I mean? Like, so any other ninja I have just attacks, then I'm able to do that as well. Well, that would be very strong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think outside of this, outside of this draft set, I think this, yeah, this is a very, very strong card. Definitely. So yeah, stack those ninjas and, and, and have them do their thing.
1: (laughs) It's just funny because I have, um, I went to a, a special specialty shop around me and I bought like a Kamigawa set and it's just like a 40 card set and there's like a, only one decent Ninja in the whole set. But like, hmm. I'm just thinking how fun it would be to be able to play that because then I can just like sneak in all these other cards and yeah. just, you know, have fun as we were talking about earlier, rather yeah. than being meta.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's interesting. To uh, Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? You got? Did you do that recently or at some point? When did you get that?
1: um not too long ago and give me two seconds i actually have the set right here hold on oh sure so it is a has a cute little deck box it came with cardboard deck box uh it's just says magic gathering expert level <laughs> and then it says betrayers of Kamigawa ninjitsu um i spent a bit of money it's not like it was a really expensive set i just thought it was really cool and i wanted it because i love ninjas and samurais and that kind of stuff um You know, it's got the whole insert with how to play a ninjutsu deck, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. And then I believe the cards that people liked were Ninja of the Deep Hours. Hmm. Um, Again, as ninjutsu, unblock Attacker. So again, it never needed ninjas. I don't know why I thought that. Um, And then this one says, whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card, which can be awesome, of course. And then um, as I'm just going through here, There's just so many different ninjas. Um, Whenever misplayed, Shinobi deals combat damage to a player. You may return target creature that player controls to its hand, which is kind (laughs) of nice. Um, And there's more of them than one in the set. Um, Then again, another ninjas of the deep hours. Here we go. Walker of secret ways. Whenever Walker of secret ways deals combat damage to a player, look at that player's hand. um you can pay to and return target ninja you control to its owner's hand play this ability only to your turn, so you can save your ninjas they can like escape i
0: looked. i looked up that card in the the site and that art is really cool i like her pose and like the colors and then the i don't know if those are i guess those are like painted trees back there and and I, i i just love how this one is looking um scott fisher is the artist so cool classic art
1: and what I do notice now is there are a couple of creatures in here like Moonfolk that are mm. now in this same commander set we've been talking about. They brought Moonfolk back for that, too. So mm. it kind of I feel like they are like there's like shades of Kamigawa coming back. Um, but I don't know. I feel like maybe maybe in the future there will be a full Kamigawa set again and they'll go back to this.
0: Well, that's the funny thing. That um, again, going back to like uh, Mark Rosewater's blogs and stuff, he's he does talk about that very high up on the on the list of please let's return to X Y Z. Kamigawa is often like first or second or third place. People people want to definitely go back to it, but he kind of explains that the the original set is what he calls too parasitic, that it really only works with itself. It doesn't work with the other 20,000 cards of magic. And I guess they kind of value a lot that you make one card in one set, and it should work with many other sets. But apparently they feel that those original cards were were too stuck in the Kamigawa block. But it kind of then surprises me that they perhaps haven't figured out how can we do modern versions of these cards that would be more non-parasitic while still, I guess that's the balancing act, right? Keep it like the flavor of original Kamigawa with ninjutsu and Shinobi and all of that and make it open enough so that it works throughout the history of magic.
1: Yeah. That's actually really interesting because I'm staring right now at one of the first like uh, flip cards that has two sides on it. Yeah. Or not two sides, but a uh, top and bottom. Look at it. One, yeah, exactly. So student of the elements and or tobita master of winds and it's either um student of elements has flying when it when it has flying flip it and then creatures you control have flying so you have to assign flying to it somehow to make that happen but i thought that was interesting that so it really was one of those cards that you can flip you know
0: yeah that's exactly that's their first into trying to make flip cards where it was the top and bottom. And, uh, and I do remember him saying that the who's were very hard to read because obviously they are correct on either way you look at them, but there is one correct way about them where the artist's name is at and the they had to move the Kamigawa logo down to the bottom right instead of in the center, like we'd be used to it, right? So there was like visually a lot of confusion about this card looks way too confusing. But I thought I'm looking at it right now, and it's interesting where they try to also, in the art, they have the feather, they have the wing in between that is separating the top part with the upside down part. And uh, you can actually click here to flip it so I can see it's like a little, yeah, it's the same guy, and he's like got a lot of hair, I guess, and flying. So, yeah, Kamigawa, I I don't doubt they'll come back to it, but...
1: I have... The best card in the set right here in my hand. It took me a second to look for it. Yes. It's Higuri the Still Wind. And it's a legendary creature, human ninja, ninjutsu, Uh, two colorless, two blue. Uh, Same deal. Mm -hmm. Whenever Higuri deals combat damage to a player, you may search your library for another ninja card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. If you Mm -hmm. do, shuffle your library. And then pay two colorless. Target target ninja is unblockable this turn. Mm -hmm. So... You would use that, you know, with, like, a Ninja of the Deep Hours, so you can draw cards, etc., etc. And, you know, I totally get what this deck's trying to do. I feel like you need a couple more copies of Higurians, et cetera, et because cetera, it only comes with one. Yeah. And um, So it was a, a little kind of, a little rough, but on a whole, I really like the set. The art is incredible. The mana is crazy. You know, it's got that Asian vibe, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed it, and, you know, I'm staring at them in my hand, and and I donated most of my old Magic cards from like the because I talked to you about a bunch about how like I got really got back into Magic with like Theros and Journey into Nyx and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and um I bought like so many boxes at that point that I donated a lot of those cards, but this yeah. is one of the things I bought from the specialty shop, and uh, I've kept it the whole time. So
0: That's cool. and it's not
1: very expensive or anything. It's just cool to me, you know.
0: Well, that's a lot of the things that we enjoy is nostalgia so you're looking back at these cards that you first played with years and years ago right what are the first what are the copyrights on those 2005 so uh, that was 15 yeah. years ago that that was that was you know a, a half a lifetime away so we have the uh the the film of nostalgia on our lives and you must have had good feelings about these cards and how interesting they were and the art and playing with friends and it's good to kind of hold on to it to get a, a piece of it again later all, all of this all of this time later
1: yeah absolutely i mean even speaking of commander the one commander set i have do you remember when they sold those big commander boxes and they came with a yeah. giant card mm-hmm. yeah i have the uh evasive maneuvers set uh still to this <laughs> day and completely sleeved like barely played and uh, it's actually retained some value at this point, but I have the giant foil cards still. Yeah. We've got Dere- Derevi, Imperial Tactician, Rune of the Hidden Realm, and Rubinia, Soul Singer mm-hmm. are the three giant cards. But uh, those are the couple things that I've retained over my magic career, as it were. And uh, just because they're cool. This one actually retains a little value. The Betrayers is just for
0: coolness. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um,. Again, magic evolving over time, and still we might leave magic, but magic's always there if we ever want to come back.
1: So I actually uh, have questions for you on a couple cards while I was looking and researching up for this set. I saw a couple cards that kind of had me, you know, pose a couple questions in my brain. So one is Horizon Stone. It's a five-drop artifact. It says, if you would lose unspent mana that mana becomes colorless instead. Now, am I dumb, or do you just get to stack mana for your pocket if you have that card out? Or do you lose it at the end of your turn?
0: like you Let's would? see. Let me look at it also here. If you would lose unspent mana... Hmm. It does not seem to say that it goes away at the end of the turn. I would think that it would explicitly say that it would go away so a normal game of magic we're automatically going through the various steps of our turn there's untap upkeep draw so if let's say i tap a mana rock in my um, upkeep phase um, my upkeep phase ends untap upkeep draw okay i go to the draw phase i didn't spend my mana in my upkeep phase it it goes away it went to my next phase so this lets you keep it through all of your phases if you tapped all your mana in your upkeep step or upkeep phase you keep it through the rest of your turn now it is a good question do you keep it when your turn ends i would assume yes because again it doesn't explicitly the normal rules is that when the when the when you get to your end phase of your turn at the end of every phase your mana goes away this is subverting the normal rules of magic if you would lose unspent mana and you lose mana at the end of every one of your phases that mana becomes colorless so it does seem like you can keep stacking mana pocketing it turn phase after phase turn after turn
1: cool that's what i thought i mean i know magic is a very literal game and i feel like that isn't kind of ambiguous but at the same time i just feel like you just get a bunch of colorless for your pocket and yeah. uh you can use it on whatever you, you know requires yeah. colorless so
0: yeah, exactly. That's the stipulation. It stays as colorless. Now, I'm sure it's, uh, they haven't, re- since the set has not released yet, they haven't released the official rules document. And I like looking at these once in a while, but I don't know if you've seen, these are like literally like hundreds of pages that they release every time that a new set comes out, which has like the exact hardcore rules of like every card. And you would think even like simple stuff, they wouldn't need extra rules, but it's such a complex game. So I don't doubt when this set officially reveals, is going to be, you know, a thousand page document that explains everything. And this one, I'm sure it's going to say... No, your your mana doesn't run out as as your turn runs out because of X Y Z Rule Seven Five Two Eight or whatever.
1: Yeah, I've actually seen that on a couple different cards, I believe, especially on like uh, Arena. I think I've seen people like have mana persist through turns. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be my next one for you, my Magic uh mm-hmm. guru. Yes. Um, it's Obeka Brute Chronologist. So, when can I tap? oh, Becca, is it only on my turn? And then if it says, the player whose turn it is may end the turn.
0: Okay, if so, I'm forcing...
1: okay, go ahead. exactly,
0: you're not forcing anyone. You can tap this at any time. There isn't any clause about do this at sorcery speed or do this only on your turn. So you could tap this to end, to attempt to end your opponent's turn because it says that player whose turn may end the turn so this is definitely a politicking card for multiplayer like okay Uh, you're getting attacked with with lethal damage i could end the turn for you right now if you do something for me so that's what this is about
1: gotcha okay i was like so confused as to like why would you possibly want to let your opponent choose you know what i mean yeah so th- that that confused me a bit now i okay so i guess i've never like you know been into that realm of magic which is literally the gathering part of the whole <laughs> thing um so i get i mean i've definitely gathered but not in like a multiplayer setting mm. so i just i guess i've never run into something where it's like and then and if that's the case like you're openly talking about what you want to politic with against the other opponents that'll still be on the battlefield like i'm sure that makes them feel some type of way and want to play you differently after that right sure or you could
0: also like whisper into their ear that there's like you know when you're in real life you can you can play how you want and how the rest of the 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 table wants to play but definitely if you're saying it out loud i have uh, i have been playing um some of the people that i played in in real life we played commander digitally through through this website called untap and all the cards Uh are digital and it's really interesting because it's um
1: but that's not that's not frowned upon like whispering into somebody's ear or is that just part of the game
0: well I was somewhat joking about the whispering part. I've never done that because when I do the politicking with, when I've done the politicking with people, everyone is talking aloud and everyone does hear okay. each other. And then, yes, sometimes people say, some people do say like, hey, I don't like that deal. I'll make you a better deal. And uh, other people say gotcha, like, okay. oh, why, why are you teaming up with them? I've got I've got less life than them. So the, the social commander multiplayer aspect of things there, it, it is definitely a different world in terms of, you're not playing 1v1. We're 1v1. It's like, okay, depending how we're going to play, my main goal is is to defeat you, right? But with a four player, yeah, I'm trying to defeat everyone, sure. But I'm also, I know that I'm in four player. I know that I'm not doing this as competitively as a 1v1. Let's have a little fun and I'll make you a deal. And I know one of the things that I've liked and, and missed is playing in real life where I, you know, if you say you love messing with people in Magic, imagine me messing with four, three people of my opponents. I've turned the game so many times by being like Lady Macbeth in someone's ear and uh, really convincing someone to do something in my favor. And then, of course, at the end, I win because I I politics like the right it. way.
1: Yeah. I'm just, I am I guess I'm more intrigued at the fact that there has been a card built around that kind of thing. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Like, I really, I, I, and, and that's kind of, a, I guess, a kudos to Magic because it might not be like, again, meta or super playable all the time. But if you're hanging out with buds and you can kind of like pull that card off and, you know, Mm -hmm. I I really, I really enjoy that kind of thing. So good for them.
0: Mm -hmm. I love the art on this one. This was one of the ones I might've picked if I wasn't going straight down, just the cat ticket, but I I love the art on this one. You know, she's got really cool red hair and then like blue skin and shattering Mm -hmm. time. I guess that's what I think is getting shattered. And then the flavor text I'm bored with now. So this is a really fun card. It's legendary. Make a fun, make a fun, uh, very politicky type of deck with this with this legendary.
1: And here, here's my last one, and, and it's not um, super crazy. I just I'm wondering if it says Jessica Thrace Reborn. It's a planeswalker. Enters the battlefield with a loyalty counter on it for each time you've cast Commander from the command zone this game. So you have to just remember. How many times you've cast your commander? Is that something that's like easily tracked? I'm just curious. I've ne- like I said, I've played commander like basically ever.
0: So, so, so what happens is, okay, you've got your commander in the command zone, and then you you summon it the first time. And however the opponents might remove it, if they exile it or destroy it or whatever, you put it back in the command zone, and then you add the commander tax. You must now pay. That's two right. More. Okay, the
1: tact, uh,
0: yeah. Okay, so sorry. the tax will then it's a little bit of math, like, okay, now I've got to pay six commander, okay, six divided by two is three. I've cast it three times. So there is that extra mental math to do, but there is that way that you that you're tracking number of times cast.
1: I guess I didn't even need to ask someone because it makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> but hey, sometimes you gotta learn.
0: And this is an example of one of these um one of these kind of rare cards in terms of it is a planeswalker with the Uh, with the rule at the bottom, Jessica can be your commander. So planeswalkers in regular commander cannot be uh, the commander, you know, the leader of the deck Uh, in brawl. They can, but in commander, they need an extra rule. They need a planeswalker to say this planeswalker can be your commander. So it's one of the few rare, I think in total, there might only before this set came out there, there might've been like less than 10 in all of magic that were Planeswalkers that could be commanders.
1: Hey, that's why I brought it up. Let's forget about the fact that I asked about a rule that made no sense. <laughs> just kidding. No, that's, that's actually really cool. It's crazy that you kind of have to sit on the card until you, ca- you know what I mean? Yeah. Cast your commander out. So otherwise, you know, comes out and dies immediately.
0: <laughs> so let me, let me look you at it You also
1: cannot add loyalty counters to it. So that's kind of interesting as well.
0: Oh yeah, it's got a zero and a minus X. So it enters with the loyalty for each time. It it does it does count. Ca- well, I, I guess the math of it, it it is counting Well, it's gonna come in as a one loyalty the first time and it I guess it expects to be cast multiple times because if it has the stipulation to keep track I, I guess you're supposed to play her. She's only three mana. So I guess you're supposed to play her right away as a one and then minus, minus one deals X damage to each of up to three targets. So right away, okay, you pay three, you summon her for or you cast her for one, one loyalty, then you minus X one right away. You deal one damage to all your opponents and then you can summon her again and she comes back as a two, I guess.
1: I got, I got, okay see that that's where i needed the clarification and now i don't feel so bad about asking about this card Mm because that does make sense like okay so you just she's kind of a i mean it makes sense red you just kind of want to burn her and keep using her as much as you can afford it and then Mm -hmm. eventually she'll get to a point where you can either start murdering big boys or it's got partner as well so you can even pair it with the cat you were talking about earlier and now it has you know (laughs) i don't Mm -hmm. know why you would want to give it menace and death touch but you know what i'm saying. Yeah. Something like that
0: yeah well you know uh, it is it is weird and complicated and I've and I read a lot of these cards not all of them but the ones that were that were standing out when people were pre- previewing them and on some other podcasts, maybe uh, maybe the MTG Goldfish podcast I think they were talking about it so I think I gleaned a little bit what I'm telling you from what they were saying but it is it is a complex game but just like you said it's kind of literal you know reading the card explains the card but there's so many stipulations that could happen and use corner cases and such that it does kind of help to bounce it off of people so that everyone tries to understand how it works.
1: Could you use the zero and Ember Cleave and then give double-triple damage?
0: Let's see, zero. Choose target creature until your next turn. If that creature would deal combat damage to one of your opponents, it deals triple. Yeah, because you've attached Ember Cleave onto a creature dealing damage, and this is saying... When your creature deals damage, triple it. So yeah, you can get the triple from Jessica, and you get the double from Embercleave, and that's such a high number I can't even fathom it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i just thinking of dumb, you know, dumb little things you could do with this. That that, that seems like that would be fun. Obviously, it's not going to be in the draft set, but uh, if you're playing, <laughs> you're playing a normal commander and you, and you want your friends to suffer, I guess that would be yeah. the
0: way to do something. Well, I think that's that's the fun and that's the purity of of commander in terms of making these decks synergize, do fun things, dumb things. Uh, There's a few people in my playgroup of Commander that are starting to lean, unfortunately, a little bit too much of a, like, I'm going to optimize my deck so well with the best cards. But then I think they're losing a little bit of the flavor of Commander. Where here, the last time we played, I was just playing with a jank-ish Vampire Commander deck, and everything in there was Vampires, and everything was leaning towards Vampires. So here if you're trying to do like massive red damage that'd be fun right jessica does triple damage makes your creature triple damage ember cleave makes creatures double damage and then if you have fiery emancipation do you know that card there fire uh i don't but yeah. i'll look it up yeah if you look that one up that one is a red enchantment that uh, yeah. if a source you control would deal damage to a permanent it, it deals triple damage so that's that's a deck right there mono red Massive damage. You put Jessica. You put Embercleave. You put Fiery Emancipation, and other.
1: And then you drop a Colossus Hammer on top of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Plus ten, plus ten, and then goodbye forever.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Now that's Commander.
1: You just have like a like a fifty fifty swinging (laughs) creature.
0: Yeah. It's like it doesn't even matter that 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 you start at forty life in Commander. If I'm doing triple damage with all my fun stuff.
1: (laughs) Crazy. Mm-hmm. anyways i thought that'd
0: be fun yeah and uh this her art was one of the first arts that was revealed when they were first talking about commander legends like six months ago you know we're kind of always in hype mode nowadays in magic that there's always something new and they right. um Seriously. they put this uh they put this art as one of the very first ones they didn't say the name they didn't say any ability they didn't say anything just this art and she looks pretty epic so then um, we finally got the reveal of what this card does just very recently. So, Jessica, thrice born. Thrice reborn? Wait a minute, thrice reborn. Isn't reborn meaning you've already been born at least once? So, is that a three times two born?
1: Yeah, I, would, yeah, I think that's a six situation going yeah. on there. Math. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: All right, cool. So, we've, we've definitely talked about a lot of great cards and, and listener. Uh, listen to all of our, our advice, and you're going to make some great decks.
1: Yeah, I think they'll have some fun, whether they they think what we're talking about is meta or not. I mean, if you really want to have some fun, I think that's what we're really aiming yeah, at. Yeah, exactly. Game's all about. It's all about the gathering.
0: That's it's in the right. Name. Yes. All right, let's segue then into um, our third topic. You you've got some cool news to share, don't you?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Um, recently I celebrated my three-year stream anniversary, which I hate saying that word. I don't <laughs> like, I really don't like it. I've been streaming on, on a three scale
0: years. on a scale of me hating it from one to Wiley Bandar. How much would you hate it?
1: Um, uh, eight, whatever <laughs> eight, and Wiley Bandar talk would be. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so um, yeah. Anyways, it was my three years stream anniversary. Three years of streaming. Um. Nothing big. I just, you know, kept it low key as my stream kind of is. Um, you know, I just had a good time with the people that hang out with me, my subscribers, all that kind of stuff. We just, you know, played games that I wanted to play because it was all about me, obviously. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and uh, no, we just, we hung out. I, I didn't change anything, honestly. I didn't have crazy graphics or I didn't make anything all, <laughs> all, all different. I just, you know, I kind of kept it consistent in what I've been doing for the past three years. So it, <laughs> it was a good time. And um, I appreciate anybody that, came out and hung out um and and you know
0: how long did you uh end up doing that stream
1: uh um i think i did like six to eight hours something like that Mm -hmm. um yeah again it was just uh like like me just gaming and and hanging out
0: (laughs) do you ever go back to your old footage and see how far you've grown
1: uh absolutely um I mean, I just look at like what was important to me in the beginning mm-hmm. and and what I show now and like, you know, I had all the alerts and so many things that said this <laughs> subscriber and this bits and all that kind of stuff. And I still have those and they're a little more low key. But I just realize like where my intentions lie with streaming a little more. Like I feel like a lot of streamers um, you know, want to be the next big streamer ASAP. Yeah. And I feel like you know, you have to, um, you're going to pay out of your pocket a lot when you start streaming. Um, and it's basically that way. I feel like I wish I knew to focus on a YouTube before I really focused on streaming, mm-hmm. and just have like decently edited videos about whatever topic you want to talk about, and kind of get that going. Because that helps not only drive people over to your Twitch stream, but uh, it kind of gives you a good basic content, especially with the volatile nature that is Twitch right now. Because, yeah. you know, you just asked me if I look back at my old videos, like most of them would are deleted or have to be deleted. because
0: yeah, the DMCA tech doubts.
1: Exactly. So um, I think even more now, having like a solid YouTube foundation will really help you. Whether you live stream there or not, it's not what I'm talking about. I am just mean like having edited videos that, you know, um, have everything that you would want. Try to try to gain your followers there and then um, you know when you stream at first I thought I'm gonna focus on this one game and be the best at this game or this or that um, not only that is that very taxing mentally mm-hmm. um, it's just it, it, it's not sustainable and a lot of the bigger streamers that I watch now play a ton of different games and they do variety and then not only is it good like you may lose initial viewers at first, but in the long run, you'll really, like, figure out who's your, who's your community, who likes your message, whether you're playing this game or not, and then kind of, like, really hone into that. Because um, it just it's too easy to be like, I'm a Fortnite streamer, and I know yeah. that game gets memed on a lot, but, like, <laughs> honestly, like, or Call of Duty or whatever game it is, um, I tried to do with Destiny, and it's just... I came from a game called SOS that had a giant community of streamers behind it because the game kind of incentivized being a streamer playing it. Mm. Um, so I quickly saw when that game basically died, like a drop off in my views, right? Mm. Um, and you feel this way or that way about that? Um, but long story short, like I really figured out like what I wanted to do with my stream, which is just be myself hanging out with friends. Some days I'm really quiet and chill. Some days I'm very boisterous and, and, and happy.
0: Would you say then like it takes time for a person to figure out their voice about what kind of personality they want to be on their stream?
1: Absolutely. And I think that goes with almost nearly anything in life. And it's kind of cliche, but like whether you're a musician or you're a video editor or a comedian or you cook food or whatever. Yeah. It just takes you time to find your voice. Yeah and i feel like there are so many people that watch other streamers that they celebrate their three-year anniversary and they're partnered and they have thousands of viewers you know i just that that's not typical of the platform and you need to realize that value the people that like you're one of them um who come back to your stream say hi chat with you not all people have to chat and stream but it's it's nice to have that it helps you make content it helps a younger streamer like have something to talk about so um all that kind of stuff would be like i you know i by no means have a million people watching me but i feel like the people that watch me watch me for an explicit reason and they want to be there and they want to hang out with me and you got to really think time is one of the only things you can't get back or pay for more of other than being healthier (laughs) essentially. So if people are spending their time on your stream, you got to value that if they're, they're hanging out with you and giving you their eyes, like you cannot let that go. Cause that's if you, if as soon as you ignore that, they're never going to come back, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, be- definitely, because there's just so many ways people's attention can go to. They can be, yeah, maybe watching another streamer, but what about watching the latest Netflix show? What about playing themselves? What about doing the dishes? What about going jogging? There's so many things that could take people's time. And they've, if they've chosen to be there at your time, and especially if you've got a schedule, they've chosen to come back to you over and over on your schedule, that's a valuable thing. That's a thing to remember and to nurture.
1: 100% and and I guess that's the biggest thing I learned from streaming because like I started streaming just off an Xbox playing Destiny and then I wanted to make a big setup and then I was really worried about getting subscribers and donations and not for the money. I thought that's what it meant to be a successful streamer. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. But I feel like if you continue to just do you and do what you love and try to nurture a community and be there for them in whatever capacity you can be, they're going to be there for you in a capacity as well. And like I have used to go from streaming almost eight hours a day, five, six days a week, to being able to stream three to six, maybe even less, but have the same interaction, and if not more subscribers and all that stuff. So you just have to find your balance and be honest with yourself and watch your own stream and hate your own voice so that you have to <laughs> listen to it, and all that stuff that everybody does. But honestly, be like, am I entertaining? And you have to ask yourself that. Because in the end, that's what people are looking for, right? Nobody wants to just see somebody in there mindlessly. Even if you're insanely good at a video game, there are only so many people that can get people to watch just because they're so good. There has to be some element that lets them escape from their life, laugh, you know, um, or they can watch you be better at a game that they're not good at and then learn from it. So um, I don't know. That that would be my advice to anybody that wants to stream. Again, I'm not super successful, but uh, I've continued to do it for three years. It is not taxing mentally on my mind anymore as it used to be, and it just becomes a hobby and fun. Now, if you really want to grind and you want to respond to every tweet on the planet and be on every subreddit and plug <laughs> yourself everywhere and be TTV dot whatever key plays and all that stuff, you can grow that way and it's not a way you can't but you just got to realize you're you're shooting for a percentage that's small and i would never tell anybody not to um follow their dreams but you know just be honest with yourself about your stream and and it'll be really rewarding for you
0: yeah it's i think it's also to tack on everything that you said which i totally agree on it's about uh it's about quality over quantity. And it's also about setting your goals and expectations. I think a lot of times when people start, they have the nebulous goal of, I'm going to be a big streamer. Or I'm going to get X number of viewers. I'm going to get X income from it. Well, in the beginning, it's a, long, it's a long road. So if you've got those expectations that maybe in the beginning, well, I want at least one person to come hang out with me every single time I do it. That's a great attainable goal, which then builds upon the next goal. And the next goal, instead of looking at the top of the mountain, there is that path that you need to take, that trail that you need to take up there to get up there. And maybe you don't get up to the top of Mount Everest, but you get to the top of, you know, whatever hill is over here. That's still a, um, that's still a, a great attainable goal.
1: Uh, one thousand percent. And my kind of like internal goal right now, or has been for a while now that I've kind of like realized all this is to have and this isn't sustainable, but 100% viewer to chatter ratio. Mm-hmm. Now I don't expect that I know people lurk I know people are at work, they're just you know, they have you up in their screen, whatever it is, whatever it is. But let's talk maybe seven out of 10 I'd like to have as many viewers as I have chatters. To me, that really shows engagement. And that just shows, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you're kind of getting what you want out of it. Um, again, I appreciate every lurker. And, and I know people do it because I lurk almost every stream all the time. Like, I'll come into your stream. I'll chat a little bit. And yeah. then, you know, kind of like trail off a little bit. But you're still up, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm viewing. And it, it's just, again, that's a time a time thing, like I'm talking about. Any time somebody can spend on your stream, uh is is amazing so i i appreciate that kind of stuff so that's basically my goal right now and and you're 100 right like just you need to set the goals for yourself that are attainable not you know i'm gonna be a partner in, a, in in six months and i'm gonna you know what i mean and then i'm gonna be a full-time streamer and i can pay all my bills after that like that's just yeah you know, the perfect storm for that kind of thing
0: it's just like in real life with sports uh the most famous Players in every single sport have had to uh, surpass so many other people that are trying to get to those very few slots of that level of, of the game. So just because we play a digital sport, just because we play, you know, we're doing not this exact same physical activity as them, it is it is very few. It is very there's very few slots at the top
1: absolutely and 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 this is um i read this somewhere and i'm going to get the numbers a little bit wrong but i think it's like the top 1 or the top 3% of twitch makes say over a million dollars you know what i mean a year mm-hmm. but the top like 13% of youtube does or <laughs> something like that so yeah. i guess like and again as i was you know kind of talking about earlier it's like Work on your YouTube, even if like you have to pay out of pocket for editing and stuff, because in the long run, that's a platform that's gonna drive people to your Twitch stream because they're gonna say, Hey, this guy's videos are awesome. Now I wanna see what he does at live or yeah. this gal or this person or them or they or whatever. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Um, so that that's really I guess what I've been doing and, and why I've been pushing my YouTube so much recently. Because mm-hmm. I've even noticed it, you know, like when you're not live, people can watch you.
0: Yeah. Well, let me let me talk to you about I don't know if you know about this. This is like extremely like brand new YouTube like tricks. Have you heard of their whole YouTube shorts system? I have not actually. All right. So let's reveal some secret tech here for everyone. Um, YouTube is trying to compete with TikTok. You know, all of the social networks are trying to compete with each other. So Correct. when Snapchat invented their, you know, self-destructing um, content, well, then Facebook got a version of Stories. And when, uh, when what was it, when uh, Meerkat was coming out with their live streaming platform, well, Periscope was bought by Twitter. And now they had a live streaming uh, platform. So I know this because I, I, one of my day jobs is I do social media for clients. So YouTube just about a month or two ago started to try their hand at um at uh TikTok style of videos which is which I hate but vertical video shorts uh-huh. so um let me send you a link right here because to compare so this is just a link to to it's my YouTube channel but look look at some of these views if you look at some of these views, okay, if you look at like let's say the third the, the third recent video, new comics this week, November 11th. This oh, is yeah, a, this is you. a one this is a 1 minute long video. So their shorts are a maximum of 1 minute long. Okay. Emphasis on a vertical video. That video has 194 views. It's 3 3 days old. If you look at, for example, my my yeah. my last stream of four hours was 42 views. If you then go back to the new comics coming soon, November 9th, one minute long, 211 views. If you go to my okay. my long deck tech video about Vito, that it's that exact same deck that you and uh, uh, you and Teaks are playing. Um, there's that vi- there's that veto deck, right? It's 24 views. Then you look at the next one. This is my coming soon, my my coming soon preview, MTG Arena brawl deck coming soon. That's got 559 views. 46 seconds long. So perhaps for yourself and everyone listening, think about that. Think about how YouTube seems to be trying to get in and eating TikTok's lunch. And the way they're doing it is, if you as a creator create one minute or less long videos that are vertical and hashtag them in the title, hashtag shorts, that's how you can say, put me as part of your shorts uh, program. Because it's kind of in beta-ish. That's how you can start to get some of these views. I already have, like, if you look further. I'd,
1: yeah, uh, idea, yeah, 3,000 on this one, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to take advantage of that, and I appreciate you for pointing that out, because that's what I need to know.
0: Yeah, no problem. Once I kind of figured that out, it's like, well, I'll give it a try. And if I look, I barely was doing this from two weeks ago. My, my very first short was collecting Usagi Yojimbo comics. Uh, and when I saw, like, it does seem from my stats from behind the scenes, it does seem that these videos suddenly go viral-ish two days later. So once you post it, think about posting something that will be relevant in two days, because all of these that I've been posting so far, it seems that they take off two days later.
1: Gotcha. I just sent you a link that has a million things, but if you click that, Mm -hmm. that is what it's called, the (laughs) Dual Tech Anthology box.
0: Oh, okay, that's a pretty epic this, box.
1: This is what it is. So it's elves, goblins, Jace, Chandra, divine, demonic. <laughs> I guess it's two demonic and a Garrick set. Hmm. Double demonic. No. Oh, well, someone's an asking.
0: Yeah, someone's saying this is this an error? but
1: yes, that is one hundred percent an error. But I'm trying to find the picture with all of them. But yeah, that is the set
0: I was talking about. I think this is really cool that uh, I hope uh, Wizards would do these a few more times. Uh, I'm not sure how long ago this came out, but like to have this huge like battle royale type of a box. I think that'll be popular. People like playing Magic and playing and gathering with people to play Magic, and especially as beginners, how about put in a four player or an eight player type of a uh, collection of decks to to bring out to the next party.
1: Yeah, so I guess the idea and no, it wasn't slivers, I was wrong. It was um elves versus goblins. Divine versus Devonic demonic. Garrick versus Liliana and Jace versus Chandra was the idea of the whole set.
0: Ah, uh-uh. okay.
1: So yeah, my buddy had grabbed that, and we used to battle these decks all the time.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Like I said, I hope they put out more of these out there. Um, and uh do, do any of your whoever owned this do they still have it? Do you know?
1: actually he was i i actually messaged him on discord during our chat and he was the one that responded and said yep that's what it's called and i still have it
0: oh cool and, and were they his... were they all nicely sleeved up or were you playing them without sleeves
1: uh we i'm pretty sure they were all sleeved <laughs> we were pretty uh, pretty adamant about sleeves at that point in our careers <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right there's so... some
1: really solid cards in there though uh you know
0: yeah apparently on this one uh, that reddit post that you um, sent the person, the people are saying that the demonic one is one of the OP ones.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess it's uh, Lord of the Pit. Mm-hmm. Flying Trample, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Yeah, so it was a fun you know, set, and he bought the whole thing, and we would battle in the house all the time. So I'm glad I figured it out
0: all right cool so i think we gave some good advice to to people set your expectations have fun with it find your voice uh try out the um try to build a presence on youtube as well again if you're not live you've got content there for people to to check out i like i like what you said about that and then maybe give out this uh give this shorts beta thing a try and see what happens
1: 100 percent. i mean like i said not a huge streamer here, but I have a lot of fun with it. I have a lot of loyal people that come check me out all the time. And it's just, you know, it's it's a pleasure for me to do
0: it. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing to remind people also. When it starts to feel like an obligation or a job or a grind, it might be time to take a break, maybe reassess and recharge and, and see what you want to do.
1: Yeah, if you have a real uh strong base community and, and you have a Discord and all that kind of stuff, and you tell them, hey, I had a long day at work or whatever, because this isn't my full time job and you know, I'm you know, I can't make it today. Most of the time they're gonna support you in that.
0: Yeah. I think that's another good aspect of things, right? Start up a start up a Discord and then nurture a cool community and and uh just uh, be be good to each other there.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, as we wind down, any other final thoughts on on anything at all?
1: Uh, No, just uh, bring more ninjas and samurai back to magic, (laughs) because whether you feel like they're sets that live in their own world or not, I'm sure you can find a middle ground for it.
0: Yeah, maybe in the core set. The core set is the big mishmash set with a little bit of everything, so that'd be nice, maybe. Put more of those Kamigawa cards into the next core set.
1: Yeah, I just really love the art, and it's just kind of something that speaks to me, so that's why I like it so much.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Keeb, thanks. Uh, Tell people where they can find you online.
1: Well, Speaking of my YouTube, uh, it's youtube.com slash KeebPlays. I'm fortunate enough to have a uh, nice URL like that, or twitch.tv slash KeebPlays. I'm also on Instagram under the same name, Snapchat under the same name. I don't ever use TikTok, but maybe I will because uh, it's starting to uh, do really well. I'm just kidding.
0: And it looks like it won't be banned after all. Who would have thought? Right. Who would have thought? <laughs> that's, uh, that's very good that you were able to get that name on those various platforms. I know that sometimes people have to settle for something else and then just have to keep trying a little bit extra to remind people, no, go to this, wa- this address, not that address because I wasn't able to get it.
1: Oh yeah, that was definitely something that I uh, took into consideration, and that's kind of why the plays is, is at the end of everything.
0: Yeah. So as for myself, you can find me everywhere as VM Campos, except YouTube. Speaking of that particular problem, I'm VM Campos Jr. on YouTube. I had to put Junior in there, and now that I would, if I would do it again ten years later, I don't know if I would have put that in there. But uh, find me as VMCompost everywhere um, on my Twitter, on my YouTube. I've got a Patreon. People can check that out if they want to pledge a minimum of a dollar to get cool stuff or just follow for free on Patreon to keep up to date, to be alerted to everything that I do. So, Keib, thanks so much for being on the podcast again.
1: I absolutely appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Um, I always take the time to make sure I can make it as good as I can. <laughs> and uh, thank you for having me here. I really, I really enjoy it.
0: Thank you for being on the show, and thank you, listeners, for listening to the latest episode. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.